Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. They'd grown up together. They played out in the fields. They laughed together. They had foot races. They would go down to the stream and they'd skip rocks across the stream. They'd climb trees. They went and they built forts. They were as happy as two brothers could be. One of the brothers enjoyed raising livestock and the other enjoyed working the field and planting crops. Both of those brothers were really hard workers and both of them claimed to love God. As they grew, their parents taught them how to worship God and give offerings. But it became obvious that God preferred one brother's offerings over another. With the brother who raised the flocks, God saw him as righteous. He was giving from his heart. But with the other brother who raised crops, God was displeased. That brother's offerings were just simply a show. And when that brother discovered that God was displeased with him, when God said to that young farmer, I see what's in your heart, and he got angry. He was upset. Jealousy and bitterness began to fill his heart. So, with that anger and a fake smile on his face, he went to his brother who raised the flocks and he invited him to go out into one of the fields that he had been working. But behind that fake smile, he was mad. There was fire in his eyes. He hated his brother. Why would God love him more than him? And so with his brother out in that field and his back to him, He pulled a knife from behind his back. The blade sliced through the air, striking his brother in the neck. He slumped to the ground, his blood now soaking the ground. He killed his brother. Brutally, viciously, savagely, he killed his own flesh and blood. There were two deaths in the field that day. One brother died physically. The other brother revealed his spiritual death. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. And then John goes on, he says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Unrighteous, the unrighteous always hate the righteous. The wicked always hate the godly. Hate is a, it's a devilish thing. Its presence in our heart reveals that, that we are not close to God. It, it reveals the fact that we've kind of fallen into the silent grip of the devil. Hate, hate blinds us to others. It, it, it steals our compassion for other individuals. And it just reveals the fact that when we hate, we too are in the silent grip of the devil. And that should be sobering, a sobering thought that when we have hatred, we are then like Cain and in the grip of the evil one. I wonder if Cain really understood just how much he was under the control of Satan. And I think it's interesting to note about Cain murdering his brother Abel Cain wasn't an atheist, was he? Cain Cain was religious. 
He was a worshiper of God. He was, he was doing like offerings to God, yet in the midst of that, he had this hatred, and then it led to this murder. I'd say some of the most murderous people in the world, those who truly hate those who belong to God, are religious people. There are religions right now that continue to slit the throats of believers. Cain wasn't an atheist. It wasn't atheists who murdered Jesus. The pious Pharisees, the Jews, they were the ones crying out for blood from Jesus who was righteous. Why? They were unrighteous. The world hates righteousness. That's why he says in verse 13, we shouldn't be surprised. Don't be shocked when the world hates you. There is an animosity, and that hatred then leads to murder. This is a good reason why we have government over us, so that we might have some leverage of control, some consequences for evil. Because if we truly had absolute freedom, then that's going to lead to anarchy, and we don't want that. Because what's truly in the human heart is hatred, which leads to murder. Because if you really got to down to the level of like people who don't love God, if there were no consequences, they'd murder. That's in the human heart. The only difference is they have consequences and it restrains. So there's plenty of religious people who have hatred in their heart. They do not belong to God. And so John asked the question in verse 12, why? Why on earth did Cain murder the brother he grew up with? I mean, did Abel do something wrong? Did he do something wrong to his brother? Like Cain's getting revenge on his brother? No, it told us. The reason he murdered his brother is because his deeds were evil and Abel was good. Cain got triggered by Abel who was doing right, helpful, holy things. And so it's just an amazing thing that, that we would think that the world would love us when it's always been opposed to righteousness. Jesus said, look, if it's going to hate you as believers, realize the world hated me first and they murdered me. Realize that same thing is coming your direction. This has been going on for years. This last, uh, this last week for fun, I was reading uh, Justin Martyr's apology, and, and he's talking, this is an early kind of church father. He's saying, look, you guys are trying to the government. You're tr- you want to put us to death because we hold the label Christian. Like, it's just a label. Go ahead and judge us and judge our actions, but don't murder us just simply because we're Christian. He said, we're some of your best citizens. We keep paying our taxes. We're actually praying for you. We want what's best for you, and you want to murder us? And one of the reasons you say is, well, because you're not worshiping in the way that we're worshiping. And so Justin Martyr, Justin keeps talking about this fact, like, well, there's plenty of other people who aren't worshiping the way that you're worshiping. He said, there's people out there, they're worshiping cats and mice and crocodiles, and yet we, because we worship the one true God, you don't like our righteousness and you are trying to murder us. This is what Cain did to Abel. Abel was righteous and Cain was evil. It begins with this hatred. Let's, let's just look real briefly here at the account that happens in Genesis chapter 4. Now, we're not told a whole lot about Cain and Abel, but what we do find here, it, it's interesting, it's telling. Again, first of all, they're both religious. They're both bringing these offerings to God. And then God is displeased with Cain's offering. 
And we don't know why he's displeased necessarily with Cain's offering. We aren't told that. Many scholars believe it's because Cain was not bringing a blood sacrifice. He was bringing his crops, the, the grain. And, and so pointing to Jesus Christ, who would one day be sacrificed on our behalf, the only righteous one put to death by unrighteous, Cain was not bringing that. Others say, well, no, it's not just that. It's his heart attitude. And one of the clues that we get is found in Hebrews chapter 11, where it tells us that Abel offered his gift, his offering by faith. And so that means that Cain was not offering his gift by faith. He was kind of approaching God, either in the wrong way with the wrong offering or the wrong attitude or both. And God said, no, you can't do it that way. You you don't just simply get to make up how you're going to approach me and how you're going to be seen as righteous. He he had a self-stylized religion, which is what happens a lot of times in our world today. We get people who say, I think I'm just going to go ahead and approach God like this. I'm going to craft this God in my mind, and he's going to accept this in my life, and he's going to accept this kind of worship from me. It's a self-stylized, you better just accept what I've got coming your way God. But God comes to Cain. He says, you can't do it this way. And the Bible says in Genesis 4, we're going to read in a moment, it says that his face was downcast. He began to pout. He began to fume. He began to to stew about God not letting him do what he wants to do. And yet God in his, his mercy, his grace, he doesn't immediately wipe out Cain. Like Cain did it wrong. God doesn't come and just drop the hammer on him. He gives him a chance. This is what we read in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. God says to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So God gives him a second chance. He says, Cain, hey, you can come back here. You can do this right. You've got some time. You can go back. You can change your mind and do this the way that I've instructed to you. But with that word of warning, no change in Cain. He he continues to just stew and fume. And in this moment, with this anger, he now slips under the control of the evil one, under Satan. Just as you and I so often do. When we have some sense of injustice that hits us. Maybe even an imaginary sense of injustice. Like they're not, they're not treating me the way that I should be treated. I'm not being noticed. Somebody wronged me in some way. And in this moment, this anger begins to build in our heart. And now hatred begins to build. And we are underneath the same control of the evil one as Cain. And in this moment for Cain, it results in the deadly swing of that knife. Cain is mad at God. He's mad at God's ordering of the world. He, he's mad at how God says this should go down, his evaluation, the ordering of everything the way that it is. Cain's upset that God's not following Cain's rules. That Cain's all honked off that, that God isn't giving Cain the sovereignty that only belongs to God. You will come to me and you come to me in this way. And so now it, with this in his heart and now in his mind, twisted by the devil, it results in the murdering of his brother. Okay, God, you want a blood sacrifice? Here you go. And he slits his brother's throat, butchers his own brother as a result of hatred. This is what Jesus has to say about this. 
Matthew 5, 21. Jesus says, well, you've heard it, it was said of those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And he goes on. He says, whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus is saying, you go to hell, not, not just simply like for murder. You go there for the hatred that is in your heart. A lot of times people kind of try to raise everything to this. Well, I didn't murder anybody. And Jesus is like, no, that's not the, the standard that we're looking at here. We're looking at the heart. And if you have hatred in your heart, it's as if you are one who is murdering. This is the way John puts it. He goes on now in verse 14. We read this in 1 John 3, 14. We know, we know that we've passed out of death into life because we love. We love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides or remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so someone might say, well, all right, all right. What's the big deal with a little bit of hate? What's such a big deal? Well, it's because when hate is directed at an individual, it's always an attack upon God. It's attack upon God and what he has instructed and commanded and his precepts and what he is looking for from his people. That is the big deal with hatred. The only difference between uh, hatred and murder is just simply the act. According to God, they are morally equivalent. Hatred and murder. So what are we to do as believers? Well, what's the opposite of this hatred? What's the other side of the coin? John says it's love. Godly love. And John sees that godly love beginning with Christian commitment. He sees it beginning with the conversion that we have when we truly repent of our sins and we receive Jesus Christ and his spirit and the transforming power that happens to our hearts. Uh, We read in 1 John 3.10 last week, uh, John said, how are we gonna know who's really a Christian? What what, what kind of litmus test do we have? And he said, "We, we know that those who are not practicing righteousness, those who are actually practicing sin, they don't belong to God. And then he went on, he said, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So the litmus test is, am I walking in righteousness, practicing righteousness, being sanctified, set apart from this world and sin, allowing God to transform me inwardly? And then is the proof also lived out in the way that I love my brother? And so now John begins to expand on, well, what does it mean to love your brother? And immediately his mind goes to, led by the Holy Spirit, I remember the first brothers, and I remember how Satan intervened there and the destruction that happened. And he wrote in verse 14, there is something that happens in the heart of one who is righteous. He says, we know that we've passed from death, spiritual death into life because we love. We love our brothers. Love. There's a huge change that happens when we receive Jesus Christ and our hearts now are able to truly love. And maybe you're thinking, Well, isn't it possible for those who aren't Christians to love? I mean, isn't it? Can't there be some 
compassionate heathens out there? Isn't it true that atheist mom and dads can love their children as genuinely as a Christian mom or dad? And the answer to that is, yeah, yes, they do love. It's a type of love. No, but the Bible never claims that Christians have a monopoly on what love is. But it does say that there is something unique, the, that love of the highest quality begins to flow uniquely in the Christian experience, in the relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a difference between a Christian's love and a non-Christian's love. And we've been seeing the world and how it operates and its hatred as opposed to those who truly belong to God and the love that is in their hearts. There is a difference between a Christian's love and a non-Christian's love. And the reason that I say that is because of the Bible, not my opinion. First John 4, 8, when we get there, we're going to read these words. Anyone who does not love does not know God. God is love. And so if we have a relationship with God, now we have his love in our hearts. If you don't have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, you don't have love. Not the way that God is describing what love is. Anybody seen uh, that bumper sticker floating around out there? It says, love is love. I read love is love on that bumper sticker, and I realize you can't put like a whole theory or philosophy on a bumper sticker, but I read love is love, and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. God is love. God is love. Love is love? No, God is love. And God who is love has the right to be able to define the parameters of what love is and love in its purest form. Because there is something that happens to God's love. God is love, and he pours out love on all human beings. He pours out his common grace and his love on all people. But something begins to happen when the love of God is poured into the human heart that is unredeemed. That love gets twisted. That love gets distorted. And it becomes self-centered. That's what we do with God's love apart from him. We twist that love and it's just focused on self, right? We, we begin to love like our children. We love our children because they're our children. We love our parents because their life is related to ours. We, we love our relatives because, well, you know, we've got this connection with our relatives. We love our dog. We love our cat as much as cats can be loved right so we love we love our house we love our friends we love those who can bless us or help us therefore our love is just simply a projection of ourselves on others this love that is poured out human love apart from god is always self-centered it is selfish it goes far enough it becomes a devilish and damning thing that's what we do with god's love apart from christ and there are so many attempts in this world to imitate love to redefine love and so john goes on and he says this in first john 3:16 by this we know love and now, if you've ever been in church world for a long time, if, if you've been a, a follower of Christ, most likely somewhere along the line, you've heard a preacher stand up and talk about the, the different Greek words related to love, right? There, there's these terms that describe more fully what love is. In the English language, we've just got like, well, love, 
And so what, what kind of love? What are we talking here? And so in the Greek language, you would have eros. You would have this romantic kind of love. You have a, a family love. You have a brotherly love. And then you have the highest form, godly love. Anybody heard that sermon from a pastor? What's that, what's that word of godly love? What's that Greek word? Agape. Agape love. Godly love. I bet you could guess what Greek word is used for love throughout chapter 3. Agape. By this we know agape. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought, we owe it to him. We ought to lay it down our lives for the brothers. Not take our brother's life. Not hate our brothers. But lay down our lives for our brothers. True love. It is a laying down of our own rights. Our our own desire to go ahead and meet our own needs. This is God's kind of love. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is love where we begin not to be central and self-centered, but now there's a transformation that begins to happen. I don't hate my brothers or sisters in Christ. No, there's a, a newfound love that I have for them, and it comes from the love of Christ in me. And so I'm going to look at others and be able to extend love and grace rather than hatred. This is an identifier. Am I one of his children? begins when we understand that we are walking in righteousness, this sanctification to be set apart from this world and sin, and it proves itself out as we love one another. Do you love the people in this room? Do you love brothers? I mean, when somebody doesn't love another Christian, it's a dead giveaway. You're not part of the family. This is what John is saying. We give up our self-interest and we begin to love others so that we would meet the needs of somebody else. And so John gives us an example. And before I read this example in verse 17, I just kind of want you to note the flow of what's happened here. So he starts out, and I thought, how, how do I you know, craft the message and write this kind of thing? Do I start with what John is kind of doing here, where he starts with murder? And then what does it move to? Hate. And then the next thing that we're going to read is indifference. He's talking about those who are truly followers of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're not going to murder. That's kind of like in the world, yeah. And you're not going to hate. So that's, okay, that's kind of tough. But then it goes all the way down to being indifferent for one another. And then I started thinking about Cain this morning. I started thinking about the fact that he murdered because of his hate, and then God comes along. Remember what God said to Cain after he killed him? I think it was like verse 8 of chapter 4. He said, uh, Cain, where's your brother Abel? And what'd Cain say? Hey, Am I my brother's keeper? Indifference. And I think that's what John is picking up on here. Watch this. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? In other words, if you're indifferent, I'm not their keeper. I'm not really interested in what's going on in their lives. Little children. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. And so he says, if you see a brother or a sister in need and you don't have any pity on them and you don't really care and you're not willing to lend any kind of help 
towards them, uh, remind me again how the love of God abides in you. Tell me again how much you are a follower of Jesus. You're a Christian. At that point, it's just a bunch of talk. It's just a game that we're playing. It is a show, much like Cain. This is, this is what begins to move the heart of believers. Not an indifference to one another and not even an indifference to the world that hates us. It was the love of the Father not being indifferent to the rebels like you and me who moved in our direction so that we might experience the love of God. And now with the love of God in our hearts, we look at our brothers and sisters. Do you have a need? How can I love you? I'm not going to hate you. I want to help you. And then we begin to look at the world around us. And what might we see with the eyes and the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ that we might be able to reach out and love them with a love that is transcendent? (laughs) A love that goes beyond our own human hearts, but we have Christ's love in us. I believe this is the most powerful force in the entire world when Christians love. They'll know we are Christians by our love. We love one another. We love the world around us. And this is what transforms people. There are some people, some people, when they see the love of the family of God, they're like, I want in. (laughs) My heart has been longing to be loved, and you love so well. It reminds me of a commercial that I saw some time ago. Uh, It was a commercial for uh, the Dairy Association for cheese. I love cheese. And so uh, I I love those commercials that they were showing. Uh, It's been some time, and I caught just the tail end of it. But what had happened was you, you have a store owner and he brought out this big old platter of variety cheeses and he put it in the store window. And the very next thing that you hear is this big thud. Some guy had run right into that window trying to get to the cheese. And you see his face kind of plastered up against that window. And the next thing you hear is the commentator saying, behold, the power of cheese. People who don't know Christ see the love inside the family of God and they begin to pursue that and they run smack dab into Jesus. Behold the power of Jesus. The love of his children, brothers for one another. There is a litmus test that John gives to us so that we might know whether or not we are truly following Jesus Christ so that we might be assured. By this was one of those phrases. How do we know? Well, we're practicing righteousness. (laughs) Boo sin. Yes, holiness. God set me apart. I want to be holy as you are holy, and I'm moving in that direction. It's not perfection yet, but it is direction. What is the sign or the litmus test, friends, that we are walking in Jesus Christ? It is when we love the brothers. That's the test. 1 John 3, verse 23 says this, And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, that we understand this good news. That while we were yet sinners under the wrath of God, sin hanging over our head, death hanging over our head, this God who loves in spite of our sin moved in our direction, died on the cross for our sins, buried in a tomb, third day, raised to life, ascended to heaven, has sent his Holy Spirit to seal us unto the day of salvation. 
that we would believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and love, love one another just as he has commanded us. Love your brother. It's the world who hates. If you're hating your brother, you're part of the world. You're not part of the family. Whoever, verse 24, whoever keeps his commandments abides, remains in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Until we love, we have not yet begun to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts. It is the love of God poured into a redeemed heart that makes all the difference. And you have two options. They are the very same options that Cain and Abel had. You can choose to hate. You can hate God and you can hate his ways. You can hate his word. You can hate his commands. You can hate his precepts. You can hate his son, Jesus Christ, by denying him and his sacrifice on your behalf. You can hate other Christians and you can die eternally. Or you have this moment where God approaches you and he says, you've got time. You can do it right. You can go back. You can repent. You can let me transform your heart and you can live in love. The love of a father poured into a redeemed heart and now our affections are for him and our affections are wholly for one another. Let's pray. Father, apart from you, we can do nothing. We can't love properly. We can't live properly. We can't carry any of this out. And so, Father, I ask that you would pour your love into my heart, into every heart in this room and every home that is watching, every person, Father, as we open up our lives to you to be transformed. In those areas, Father, where we have broken relationships, we pray that forgiveness would reign. In those areas where we have been walking in hatred, Lord, we repent. We walk to you. We confess those things before you. We ask, Father, that we would walk in love toward one another, that we would walk out this faith that you have given to us through your son, Jesus Christ, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that the kind of community that is developed among the people who call this their church home, the body of Christ here, that we would love deep. And Father, we know the only way that we will love deeply is when you continue to pour out your heart, the heart of love from our Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvillroad.cc. God bless you.